Welcome to the Fortune Management Practice Mastery Podcast. Each episode, we bring you powerful conversations with thought leaders in the dental, veterinary, optometry, and medical industries. At Fortune Management, we coach doctors and teams to have an extraordinary practice and an extraordinary life. I'm Kim McGuire, host of the Practice Mastery Podcast. Today, I am joined for a conversation by three dental professionals from the great state of Colorado, Drs. Dave and Chelsea Stangle, owners of Crested Butte Family Dental, and Mandy Thompson, hygienist and myofunctional therapist. In this episode, this amazing trio discusses how their practice has incorporated myofunctional therapy into the treatment mix. How will this impact scheduling as well as the patients who visit the practice? We'll dive into these topics and more, including how myofunctional therapy training and implementation impacts the bottom line of the dental business. This episode has taken from a webinar that we hosted for our fortune management clients. I'm looking forward to this enlightening conversation. Now let's get started. Welcome, everyone. I see lots of people already joining in on our webinar this evening. My name is Kim McGuire, and I'm with Fortune Management, and it is my pleasure to bring this amazing content to you this evening. For those of you who are listening live, welcome, welcome. For those of you who are listening to the recording, welcome to you. I'm really excited to bring this information to our Fortune Management teams and, of course, our friends of Fortune as well, which I see a lot of you that have joined this webinar this evening. So I wanted to introduce our guests this evening. We have Drs. Dave and Chelsea Stangle, who are longtime Fortune friends, and they uh, both went to Boston University. That's where they met in dental school and relocated to Denver, Colorado. They had practices in Boulder and in Denver before they decided a couple of years ago to transform their life and relocate to Crested Butte, Colorado. For those of you who don't know where that is, it's a lovely ski town in Southern Colorado. And when they moved there, they bought a practice. And with the practice came an amazing hygienist named Mandy, who has been a hygienist for several years, but been very interested in myofunctional therapy for the last 10 years. So I have been working with them for a long time and I've seen how they have integrated myofunctional therapy into their practice very successfully. And I also know that there are many, many hygienists out there who would love to bring this into their practice and either they don't have enough training or they're not really sure how to do it or more, more commonly their doctor that they work with is not really knowledgeable on myofunctional therapy. And so they're not really sure how to, how to integrate it. So I want to thank the three of them for joining me this evening. Thank you, Dr. Dave and Chelsea and Mandy. How are you? Thanks for having (laughs) us. Yes. It's it's great to have you. So Mandy, why don't we start with you? Why don't you explain to the audience, what is myofunctional therapy and uh, what kind of people do you treat? Give us a little bit of a background so we understand what we're even talking about here. Sure. I know a lot of people have heard this term thrown around a lot, but the technical definition of myofunctional therapy is neuromuscular re-education and or patterning of the head, neck, and facial muscles so that we get proper function. So a lot of people are probably wondering what proper function is. What we are striving to do is get your tongue to fully lay up on the roof of your mouth, Um, from the tip of your tongue all the way back to the posterior portion of the tongue, which is a very important component, along with breathing through your nose both day and night, and 
with your lips closed. We always want the lips sealed and closed as well as proper swallowing techniques, making sure that there's no thrusting, both anterior and posterior happening. And what kind of patients do you tend to treat just overall, you know, broadly speaking? I mean, that is a question that is fully loaded when I saw it on your sheet here, um, because there's a lot of different um, dysfunction and disorders that can resolve by resolving or correcting these four basic things. You know, anything from gastrointestinal issues, gas, bloating, a lot of acid reflux to uh, a snoring, breathing through your mouth all the time, getting into high voltage palates, not having the tongue fully resting on the roof of your mouth. So you, this growth pattern happens with a high voltage palate, which then shrinks the airway and kind of snowballs into a lot of other things. This topic is a very wide there's a lot to it. So I know we're trying to kind of really stay with the basics here because um, we can go into a lot of detail. Yes. One of the things I failed to mention is that Dr. Dave and Dr. Chelsea moved to Crested Butte and they recently um, built a state-of-the-art facility that includes, uh, of course, well, technology that they've been using for years, but CEREC technology, CBCT, they're placing implants, doing endo, doing ortho. So as you can see, it's an extremely comprehensive practice in the Gunnison Valley, bringing really amazing care to the residents there. So Mandy, as you're talking, you're obviously treating people in a lot of different, um, for a, a lot of different reasons. So maybe Dr. Chelsea and Dr. Dave, maybe you can talk to us a little bit about what do you see? And or let me back up. We're, how knowledgeable were you all about myofunctional therapy before you met Mandy? I would say not very. We were um, just kind of diving into Healthy Start, the program for kids, which has a myofunctional therapy component because we were trying to help our own child that was experiencing night terrors. And so that was kind of where we first were starting to dip our toes in a little bit. Dave had been kind of doing some sleep at his Boulder practice, but we hadn't really like fully dove in on like all the the sleep component and tongue position and all that stuff. And then when we met Mandy, she's like this, it was already sort of a part of the practice. And it was something that she really wanted to like take ownership of and take it to the next level, which she has. And I think um, now I can't even like see someone in a restaurant without being like, oh my gosh, they need malfunctional therapy. But as far as like when we're, who's our ideal patient, really anyone that's open to it is, is the first thing. Like you really do have to have the right people and, and people that are committed. I think technology in our practice really helped us identify and make it easy for patients to see how they can benefit because we start all our new patients um, with a cone beam CT and you can really visualize the tongue position in that slice. So when you show someone they have a tiny airway and where their tongue is located, and then you show them like, okay, if your tongue was here instead of here, what would that do to this area? And they can really understand like, oh yeah. When, once you kind of explain like your tongue is not just what you see in your mouth, it actually has fascial tissue that goes all the way down to your toes. So 
it's a part of your whole body. And so we, we do it on anyone from, I don't know, young as six or seven, probably for me as young as six, six, probably. And then currently I'm working with somebody who's 68. Yeah. So my dad did it when he was about 68 or 69. So yeah, wide range of people for a lot of different reasons. So before we jump into more like clinical questions, Mandy, tell us a little bit about what training you've had in order to be a myofunctional therapist. Sure. So the first um, training that I went to was the Academy of Orofacial Functional Therapy and with Joy Muller. I did an extensive course in Chicago. And then after practicing what I learned from her, I took another course um, at Mayo Mentors uh, with Sarah Hornsby. Um, We've linked all that information for you guys um, on whatever Kim's going to get. We'll put that on. (laughs) Um, And and then so after I went to her program, I really honed in my program, took pieces from both of the programs and kind of made my own program. The myofunctional training, you do have to have a licensure in order to be able to practice myofunctional therapy. There is no accreditation or certificate as of right now. They are working on... Um, standardizing the process. Uh, There is two organizations right now doing that, that we linked in there as well. And that's the Academy of Orofacial Myofunctional Therapy and then the International Association of Orofacial Myology. So those are the two organizations right now that are giving accreditation or certificates. However, there's many avenues that you can go out and get a certificate of... I would say too that when she came back from the first one, she had like a broad range of information. Like she had so much information. It was really intensive course. And it almost was hard to kind of create her own program that worked for our patients and in our practice after that. And then, um, but we're working on a trial and error, kind of trying to get it to fit in and what to charge and all that type of stuff. And then after she did Sarah Hornsby's course, really was able to be like, put the rubber to the road, you know, and make a a program that really worked well, was getting great results, was manageable for our patients and feasible financially for the practice to be able to do. Okay, cool. Before we go into that though, why don't you all tell us a little bit, like if a practice, I know there's a lot of doctors that have signed up or I know there's a lot of doctors on the line right now who are interested in bringing this into their practice. What are some things that they need to know before they bring myofunctional therapy into their practice? I would say it's going to make your new patient exams a lot longer. Yeah. It's just, it's intertwined into everything. So I think the easiest way to get started or to think about it is that you need to have a good mentor. You need to work with someone to learn this stuff. It's not a weekend course. It's not something that you're just going to do this starting Monday. Mm-hmm. And it's, it can be slow and frustrating. So I think you have to really think it through of having somebody like, we've been super lucky to have Mandy take charge of this. We've been involved. I did it myself. So I think that is the best way for a doctor to get going is do it. Even if you don't think you need it, you'll certainly learn something and you'll realize that even someone who is in good shape still benefits from it. 
I would also add that it's expensive. The courses are are expensive and it's a lot of, you have to hone in what works for your practice because what we're doing might not work for everybody. And it's a lot of the hygienist time. Um, like we said, Mandy's so passionate. She watches videos, she reads about it. It's like a, a part of her life. And so some of that is on her own time at home. Some of that is between patients or during a hole in the appointment or even blocking some time to work on stuff. But yeah, it's expensive because you're paying a hygienist and you're paying for the coursework and you may be charging less in the beginning or you're not enrolling as many patients. But I think right now, I mean, last year, your goal was to do like a couple patients a month and and now you have that any given time, like 15 patients going. In treatment right now, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So. so audience, we are going to go into some of the logistics on how they have integrated this you know, into their practice. Do we want to show some of the pictures of some of the results that you guys have had? Yeah, sure. that'd be great. Okay. I've got some um, before and after photos that I'd like to show for those of you who are on the Zoom or watching the recording. So Mandy, do you want to walk us through this patient? Sure. This was a patient of ours. Um, I believe she was 10 years old here. We originally thought we were going to do a tongue revision or phrenectomy on her, and we were able to get her tongue to stretch enough where we did not need to do a phrenectomy. She was able to get function without the phrenectomy. And obviously you can just see with her posture right away and also what the tongue position does to the jawline and so forth. That forward head posture, a lot of times when people have their tongue low like that, their airway can collapse, having a hard time to breathe. So they jet it forward in a forward resting posture they're not even knowing that they're trying to get air but the body has an amazing way of compensating itself right okay amazing what about this gentleman this gentleman um had could not keep his lips closed obviously tongue on the floor of the mouth not up on the roof of the mouth um he has an open bite tongue thrust um, and we did eight months of myofunctional therapy with him and was able to get his tongue to stay on the roof of his mouth. Obviously, you know, I haven't seen him in about six months. I'm probably due to clean his teeth here soon. So it'll be interesting to see if his bite has even come together even more. The thing that's so crazy to me is like, this is with no orthodontics at all. Like his jawline has changed so dramatically, like his whole face his shape has changed. Unfortunately on him, I did not have a good before side profile view, but his profile view has changed tremendously as well. Wow. That is life-changing, especially for a young guy like that. Um, This one here was a kid who tongue thrusting. Um, This was just with myofunctional therapy, closing that bite in six months or so. Um, he is now currently in ortho yeah. and, um, you know, correcting the rest of his bite there. Um, but pretty amazing what can happen just by getting the tongue to function in the right way by swallowing properly, getting that up on the roof of the mouth 
and breathing through the nose. And with a class three growing boy, especially that mandible can kind of grow uncontrolled. So being able to get the anterior teeth to overlap even just a little bit is going to help kind of get the, the jaw alignment to, to stay where it's at as we progress through orthodontics and not constantly fighting this growth of the mandible. Right. So, I know, I know Dr. Chelsea, that you're, you're incorporating Maya with a lot of your ortho patients. Yeah. Yeah. So when I do an evaluation or a consult with ortho, I kind of go through the, I'm not nearly as well-trained as, as Mandy is at um, assessing people, but I look for the big signs like a tongue restriction, a tongue thrust, anterior open bite, um, cross bites and profile and, and class two typically um, posture or um, jaw alignment. And so that's when I'll talk to parent and say, you know, I'll, I'm totally happy to do this case. And you also have to do malfunctional therapy, potentially a phrenectomy. And we've kind of, um, you know, come up with, with program fee wise to make that all sort of manageable for them. And the other thing that parents are normally pretty on board with the fact that it's like, oh, well, we'll do your, your braces check at the same time you're getting your, doing your myo appointment. So we're able to streamline it pretty well. Okay. You know, and mm -hmm. I guess a lack on that backslide, you know, it's not all one, you know, my, it's not just myo. It, you know, it also is, you know, what we're doing with breathing, they may need a CPAP, they may need a phrenectomy. There's a lot of things that are incorporated in this in order to get a great result. So um, myofunctional therapy can fix a lot of things. Mm -hmm. I think that always it's nice to have other components that help with finalizing what we did to correct the tongue posture. And right. Other disciplines that the doctor is also, you know, doing along with the mind. Yeah, like Dr. Dave does our phrenectomies and, you know, and so we're all very much intertwined in this one person's case. It's yeah. not just one of us. And I think over two years, what we've kind of streamlined now or gotten better at is realizing that myofunctional therapy almost needs to come first versus we try to incorporate it into treatment plans, get started on ortho while doing it. And if the patient doesn't care enough to invest in this, there's a lot of higher end treatment that we find not worth doing. Mm. So even sleep stuff, it's like, you know what, you're going to be the patient that nothing's going to work on. You're going to hate your appliance. I don't want to make you an appliance if you're not even willing to make some light changes or put a little effort into this. Um, same with phrenectomy, you know, trying to do aesthetic cases on an anterior open bite, they're probably not going to turn out great. So it's a great way to start talking about their overall health with the patient and see how much they truly care before you roll out an extensive treatment plan. And I've definitely said no to a couple of ortho, especially adult uh, clear aligner cases that weren't interested in doing it. And I'm like, well, I don't want to close your anterior open bite. And then six months later, you come in and it's back open again. So right. sorry, you can go somewhere else. <laughs> right. Because our muscles have memory. And essentially, Mandy, you always describe myofunctional therapy as like physical therapy for your head and neck. Right. So yeah. if anybody's ever gone to a physical therapist to to work on any other part of their body, it's the same kind of a thing. Right. Absolutely. Um, what about this 
uh, patient? So this is a patient we're currently doing myofunctional therapy with. Um, Chelsea started by doing a crib. She was nine years old and sucking her thumb. So we did a crib appliance because she tried a lot of other options to try suck, uh, to quit. She was unable to, and within two months of stopping sucking her thumb and incorporating myofunctional therapy, her bite has changed that much. Yeah. Obviously, we have a ways, to go. a ways to go with therapy, and hopefully we'll get her into a place that possibly she'll need very minimal ortho. Yeah. And for so. people that aren't doing crib appliances, that's another, you know, small topic, but... I, I like them, especially for older kids. I haven't had a ton of success with younger ones just because of getting them in there. Um, isolation can be a little bit hard, but on a nine-year-old that is like so embarrassed to be sucking her thumb, it I mean, it resolves in like three weeks and it's not a fight at home and, and they just want to be done with it. So when the kid is motivated and, um, and especially an older kid, it's like so quick. Awesome. Awesome. And lastly, our last slide is a um, Yeah, this is a patient who obviously you can see in that first slide, or maybe obviously not, I don't know. <laughs> um, that, that frenum is so tight, it's pulling the tip of the tongue down. What I talked about, it's really important to have the tip and the whole tongue laying on the roof of the mouth. So the second slide is directly following the phrenectomy. We sutured that one. Um, and the tip of the tongue, it, uh, she's swollen there and she was numb. So it's hard to tell But and the third post, one week post for neck to me, that tip of the tongue is laying and the whole tongue is laying completely on the roof of the mouth. So, yeah. and Dr. Dave, you're using the laser to do this, right? Obviously. Yeah. The, I mean, that's a whole different topic. It's, it's a whole different um, topic. <laughs> I know <laughs> there's some great people out there doing some stuff, teaching it, but there's not a lot of easy access to learn. Um, I get super frustrated with phrenectomy continuing education because I think people show these cases with like paper thin freedoms that they touch with a laser and call it good. And I don't think that's actually really doing anything. Um, so I'll use a laser as much as I can, uh, but sometimes I'll use scissors and I use hemostat a lot kind of, opening it up that way. But everyone is so different once you open it up that you have to have a couple different tools to right. change course as you're working there. Right. And we um, we kind of were diving into phrenectomies earlier, you know, just real quick on, brief on this and finding that we were getting relapsed. And it's like, well, of course, if the patient doesn't know how to hold their tongue in place. So then it became, then we kind of kind of, we were looking like, okay, we'll do a few weeks of myofunctional therapy before and a few weeks after, but that wasn't even enough. Like they have to really commit to the whole course of like the protocol that Mandy has for them. Mm -hmm. And typically about halfway through, that's when we'll assess if they're going to, I mean, sometimes you just know they're going to need it, but right. people like that one girl that we showed, like you would have thought that she would have needed it. And they, Mandy was able to get like 10 millimeters of stretch on it. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And then Mandy's always there with Dave during the phrenectomy procedure oh, okay. to help. Yeah, so I won't do any phrenectomies ever again unless they've had a decent amount of myofunctional therapy. They can hold their tongue up for a solid minute in that suction pose, which is what was shown in those pictures. When you do that, the blood vessels drop posteriorly 
it makes it a cleaner surgical field and you can actually see everything and you're just slowly dissecting it at that point, taking away the fascia rather than kind of going in there and hoping and, you know, using those, um, like the little Mickey mouse, they call it the little instrument that you hold it, hold the fruit back and you're kind of going blind and just taking away enough until you deem they can stick their tongue far enough out. Well, sticking your tongue out is a very small component of what's actually important if you can't get the back of it up. So there's a lot more that you keep learning and evolving your procedures. And I guess that goes back to the first question of having a good team and a good lead on it. You know, how to get going. I think before you get going, you realize that it keeps evolving. If you don't have that team that wants to keep improving upon it, you're going to probably struggle and dislike it. Right. Well, it's a, it's a great segue to actually, why don't you all describe how, how you actually integrate this into your practice? In other words, what is a typical, Mandy, what does a typical case look like for you? So right now, um, a typical case is for me, 12 sessions. Um, the first session I do an hour and a half. I take extensive intake form questions, photos, and then the first set, uh, session of myofunctional therapy and then each I, I prefer to see them every two weeks sometimes it's three depending upon their schedule and my schedule um, if it is an every two week where I see them then I'm usually done with them in that six to seven month range um, but you know we have holidays and vacations and all that that is in there so you know I always tell people six to nine months is, you know, the goal. I have them do exercises twice a day. Twice a day, okay. That mm -hmm. usually consists of approximately six to 10 minutes per time a day. So you're looking at 15 to 20 minutes a day of active exercises. Then I... Um, she puts together little bags for all of the patients and it's really great at like giving them exactly what needs the exercises because each week the exercises change a little bit depending on what their needs are. And um, it was pretty cute. Actually, there was a little boy in here the other day that is kind of, we did expansion on him and then it was like, okay, we're pausing. You got to do myo and phrenectomy. And then we'll, we'll jump into the, you know, second phase of orthodontics after all that's been completed. And he's like a very like by the book kind of task kid. And he was like, well, I didn't do that this week. It wasn't on the list. It wasn't on the list. So <laughs> it was like, it was just really cute. And, but she does a really great job of organizing it so that it's easy for patients to know what to do. And she gives them all the supplies and makes recommendations on like buying a mirror and stuff like that. But um, and then for the can, the last 11 appointments, I like to see them for about a 30 to a 40 minute, 30, 40 minutes ideal. That's tough when you're trying to be a hygienist as well. <laughs> right. So, um, but we make it work and we just kind of try to block chunks. Yeah. Um, I'll go into that because I know you asked about that, Kim, but I used to, when I first started this, we would just throw them in wherever we could in my schedule. Now I prefer to have an afternoon or a morning or a chunk in the middle of the day that is focused on myofunctional therapy. So I'm not going 
from hygiene back to mild, back, you know, back and forth between um, patients it's a lot, but you have to do it at the beginning to kind of get your schedule filled and, you know, you just do what you can do to make it work at the beginning. And then you can really just be like, this is it. This is, if you want to do mild, this is the time slot I have available, you know. And she does some remotely, like virtually. Um, and she has some patients that aren't even in Crested Butte. So a lot of theirs are virtual. Yeah, that's great. And so if somebody's starting out, um, well, first of all, let, let's also ask, I know there's a big range of what the fee might be. Can you just give us a general range? It sort of depends on the program that the hygienist comes up with. So the way we kind of set our price is we have a, an hourly goal for our hygienists and we just based it off the amount of time we think 12 sessions is going to take for Mandy. So, um, or the amount of time that she puts into now that it's, I mean, before when she was just getting started with it, she might spend a half hour prepping for an appointment at some point in the day that was going to be there. Um, but now it's like two minutes and you're, you're good to go. She's super organized about it. And every person is different. So, I mean, at first you follow a exercise regimen and you probably the first 10 patients are going to do the same exercises with everybody because that's all you know. But then you start kind of seeing, oh, you know, for people who have thrusts, these type of things work more for people who can't get their lips closed. Real, we need to work on a lot of orbiculosaurus, you know, exercises. And so you really, right now, my program is very much, I have the first session, maybe the second session, very similar between all patients. Everything else is very much customized. Yeah. So I think with 12 sessions, I think we've estimated that it's roughly like four, 13 hours or something like that. So we just pretty much based our fee off of what her hygiene goal is. And then, and then phrenectomy is extra. And we always tell them phrenectomy is going to be extra and we'll, you know, we'll assess, we can give you an idea, but that's not typically all that expensive. And it's not enough actually. (laughs) (laughs) I'm in there, Dave's in there and we don't charge enough, but it's really important component of the care that you offer. And I mean, I just know the practice so well and your vision for really delivering a higher level of service and standard of care. And, um, it's great. So, um, if, if a practice was interested in doing this, would you suggest that the hygienist go to some classes or the doctor join them? What would you suggest as far as that goes? I personally, the last class that I took a lot of doctor and hygiene teams went Um, And they give breaks for the classes if you're going as a team. I think it's really, I mean, these guys have been so open to like me really. She sends us videos. Spewing all of my, like, let's try this, Dave, or let's try this. And they're very open to all that. But I think, you know, when they, when we first decided for me to do this, they have just bought the practice and we weren't really in a position for them to like hop on and come with me. But I think it would be a great Um, thing for the doctor and hygienist to do it together just so the doctor really is on board too because if the doctor is not on board with what the hygienist thinks it's not really going to mesh or work out you know your your values need to be in line right well and Dave I want to circle back to something you said earlier you said your new patient exams are going to be a lot longer tell us a little bit more about what you're doing 
there to maybe identify some of these patients? Yeah, I mean, I generally look at, like Chelsea said earlier, the uh, CBCT from a sagittal view, looking at midline. So I'll look at the airway before I even go in the room. Okay. And as soon as you look at that, we should have had them to pull up here. But I mean, once you start looking at that, you'll see that anterior open bite all the time. And we don't coach them on the CBCT of what to do with their tongue or anything for that purpose. So I know a lot of times people will say, put your tongue up to the roof of the mouth. And, and we don't use a bite block. And we don't use a bite block. Bite so they're just rested on it, like a little chin rest. And right away, you can see it, the tongue in between the teeth as their resting position. And we know that person's going to have breathing sleep problems. They're going to have an anterior open bite. They're probably going to be at a higher risk from cavities from dry mouth, more of a you know periogingival scale type patient. So... You know, all that stuff going in from one quick look. Um, I'll usually put that slide up first and then talk to them a little bit and try to gauge their interest because you'll get, you know, deer and headlight look from people. And then you just got to back off and not go into that. Um, but I at least just tell them, you know, hey, I got to run through this real quick. You're going to have never heard any of this stuff before. You're going to think I'm probably crazy. But... <laughs> But then you get someone that goes, I've always thought my tongue was too big for my mouth, you know, and you're Uh like, well, tell me more about that, you know, and so um, people with scalloped tongue, which you see frequently, um, that's a really good indication that they're holding it in the wrong spot. So yeah, it just, it does have to be really cohesive. Even the other hygienists, like they don't have to be as passionate about it, but they have to be able to at least talk, speak to it to some sort of degree. And I just fall back on, like if I'm with a patient in a different hygienist room, I'm like, I'm seeing these things. And if they're like, yeah, you know, actually showing some interest, I'm like, we do a 30 minute consult with Mandy for free. So they, you know, there's not a ton of spots. They might wait two months to get one of those or three months to get one of those. But it's like, yeah, come come back, talk to Mandy about it. These are things I'm seeing. You can always call or email us in the meantime, but um, and then I always write down too, because you know, people love to Google stuff. So I always just write down or have it. We have a little pamphlet that has like, um, open mouth breathing, you know, like a few things and myofunctional therapy so that they don't go home and go, what was that word they were talking about? And then they can, I just say like, this is a good place to start Googling. Our website has a ton of information. So you can start there. We have a resources page on our website too. So if someone's like, starting to show some interest, but we don't want to like jam it down their throats. Like that's kind of what I do. And, um, yeah, and just sort of try and use your sensory acuity with it. Great <laughs> using that fortune term. I love it. Um, I was going to ask about that. You have two other hygienists there and you have another doctor. So Mandy, have you been educating your other teams doing lunch and learns or, you know, your other team members? I had a lunch and learn with other hygienists. I just started myofunctional therapy today with other dentists, <laughs> but I am going to do another lunch and learn because there are some more people that are on board, even the assistants and stuff. It's so important to get everybody on board. Mm-hmm. Um, we had one of our assistants sit in on one of the, with a patient appointment, just to like learn what she says to the patient and all that kind of stuff, which mm-hmm. I thought was cool. And then the uh, hygienist pick up a ton from the doctor's end, because sometimes that new patient is in the hygiene schedule, or there's someone that you talk to, you know, six months that maybe had a mild interest, but was like too overwhelmed to put it all together. And so when we're going in to do our checks, we're constantly talking about that. And as we brought on new hygienists, 
you can almost see them just like listening and taking it in and being like, oh yeah, like totally see that. Or I see that there's more inflammation on those lower anteriors than, yeah. you know, there should be. And um, I mean, it just, it really goes into everything with that anterior open bite. You're going to have heavy posterior occlusion, which is going to be crowns, root canals, implants, you know, deeper pocketing. Um, so people who have all these constant problems and you can, you know, slowly after you see them four or five times and you just kind of keep saying, yeah, that's probably because you don't have contact on your front teeth because you breathe through your mouth and not your nose. Mm-hmm. And then they start kind of getting a bit, okay, well, maybe I should fix that. Yeah. Right. Um, so we do have a lot of people that we've talked to for two oh, years wow. that are like, yeah. okay. It, it does yeah. not happen overnight, especially yeah. if people are like, what are you talking about? Because it mm-hmm. is very foreign. It's starting to become more a thing and a very hot topic, So, sure. um, which is good. More and, yeah, and I was just going to say, like, we have a few, like, you know, minor things to, like, dive into with people, like, recommending mouth taping and stuff like that. And then someone might come back and be like, wow, that was, like, life-changing. I don't snore anymore and all this stuff. And it's like, well, yeah, but it, you're still... So like you're 50% of the way there or you're 45% of the way there. And like, if you want to get even better, this is what it would take kind of thing. So. And same with the sleep test. You know, it's another tool that really goes a long way. Once people see some alarming numbers on those, then they're often ready to sit and talk about it a little bit more. Right. And right. I would say we treat a lot of sleep, but very, do very few appliances. So we are mostly treating it through her program. Which and is it doesn't hard. mean that somebody with a very high score of sleep apnea can be cured. But, you know, I always like to tell people if we can fix what you're doing at night and what you're doing during the day, you're you know, breathing is going to be better. Your sleep is going to be better. You know, we have people still on CPAPs and taping and everything is working fantastic. So the CPAP, there's still a very um, useful need. There's a place for it, but there's also a place for people who have moderate or even mild that they don't even need a CPAP, you know, so. Or if they do need a CPAP, what we've found is it can be turned down a lot. And that's mm-hmm. where compliance becomes an issue. It's got to keep cranking it up, cranking up to get dried out, to have a hard time breathing. They feel bad in the mornings. They're so dried out from it being on so high. So you have to work with a team, with a sleep physician, with a doctor, which can be a challenge sometimes. But mm-hmm. uh, it's, yeah, it benefits everybody. So. What I love you, you're, you're talking about too, is what, especially you're talking about the rest of your team, you know, you all have done such an amazing job of really communicating what your vision is. So your hygiene or your other hygienists and your assistants are interested in it. When I was there last week, I was talking with some of your assistants and they get excited about it because they see the results. And I think that's a huge part of this. It's a, it's a massive shift in sort of the way you're thinking and the way you're treating your patients. So that's huge. I do have a question and I think I know the answer, but are you willing medical at all for this? For myofunctional therapy? Um, we dabbled in billing medical and we tried it, we scrapped it pretty quick. Um, but I have had success um, giving patients a super bill, super bill and having them um, bill it through their medical insurance. Dental insurance will not cover this. Um, it's all through medical. And we've had patients like 
that were really concerned about finances um, pre-authorize it. And they had to get like a prescription from a primary care physician. Yep. So they got one and then it was fine. So That's great. Yeah. I actually, I, you all know this, that I did do my functional therapy with my daughter and I sent them a super bill and I did get paid for our medical insurance. So I think that's, yeah. that's the way to go. Um, well, if, if any of our audience has any more questions, you can put the, your questions in the chat. Um, but doctors, Chelsea and Dave and Mandy, do you have anything else you'd like to add to our, for our audience to know about myofunctional therapy? Um, I just think that the the only other thing that, that's kind of nice that we're not like always actively using, but having, there's a few different, um, I don't know, like groups out there that do a lot with it. And so we have a um, membership to these different things. So there's videos and there's, they're constantly doing webinars and they're constantly doing that stuff. And it's, like I said, we're not doing it every week, but we have these memberships and they're available and so we've done them as a whole team before and stuff. So it's, it's good. It's a really good resource. Wonderful. And we'll put all those resources into the, um, into the post on our website, but I just want to thank the three of you so very much for spending a little bit of your evening with, with us, with me and with fortune. And, um, I'm really, I'm really excited for more practices to understand how to, how to utilize this technology and this, this, resource because it's huge. I've seen it myself with my daughter. The pictures speak a thousand words. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Practice Mastery Podcast. For more information on Fortune Management and to find an event in your area, please visit fortunemgmt.com.